This is the Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 30, Eyes to See God's Miracles. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to Stand with Lynette. If you're here for the first time, I'm so glad you're here. If you're here for the 30th time, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. It is my honor to produce this podcast for you. And I am so thankful for all of you who have left ratings and reviews. Please keep those coming. And thank you to all who have applied to be a guest on the podcast. In case you missed the announcement last week, I would like to start interviewing women who are striving to keep their covenants, follow the prophet, and strengthen their relationships with the Savior. That's right, my friends. I want to interview you. I would like to know what it looks like for you to stand with the Savior in your particular circumstances. If you are open to sharing your story and would like to be interviewed on the podcast, I invite you to apply to be a guest with the link in the show notes or the show description in whatever podcast app you are listening. I believe story is an excellent teacher and we can learn so much from each other. So I hope that if you're willing to share, you will take the time to apply, and I so look forward to talking to you. These new episodes will be starting to come out soon. I think I have so far seven or eight interviews scheduled for this week alone, so I'm not going to publish them all at once or anything like that. We will publish them over time, and I, I'm hoping to get some more interviews in the queue as well, but in case you like the current format of the podcast with solo episodes in which I teach principles to help you stand firm in your faith, don't worry because those are not going away. I will be doing a mixture of those solo episodes and interviews and we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. This is kind of an experiment and we're just going to go with it for a little bit. So I We'll probably start publishing these within the next week or two. And what I'm kind of thinking right now, which could change, is that I will alternate solo episode and interview and solo episode and interview. And we'll just see how it goes. We're playing this by ear. This is an evolution in progress. And I'm grateful that you are here to be a part of it. Last Friday, you may or may not know that I hiked the Grand Canyon rim to rim with my husband and my 22-year-old son, Andrew. I did the same hike last year, and I have shared parts of that experience with you in previous podcast episodes. A hike like that, doing 23 and a half miles through one of the seven wonders of the world, is packed full of life lessons. And though it was the same hike last year as it was this year, my experience this year was completely different, which means that I learned completely different things. Over the next couple of weeks, I will be sharing some of the lessons that I learned. But today, I want to focus on the many, many miracles we experienced as 
we hiked through this canyon that helped us to get out and to finish and with some things in the middle there between starting and finishing. And you might be thinking that the word miracle is maybe a bit too strong. Do miracles really happen to ordinary people like us? In his April 2022 General Conference address entitled The Power of Spiritual Momentum, President Russell M. Nelson taught, quote, Moroni assured us that God has not ceased to be a God of miracles. Every book of scripture demonstrates how willing the Lord is to intervene in the lives of those who believe in him. He parted the Red Sea for Moses, helped Nephi retrieve the brass plates, and restored his church through the prophet Joseph Smith. Each of these miracles took time and may not have been exactly what those individuals originally requested from the Lord. In the same way, the Lord will bless you with miracles if you believe in him, doubting nothing. Do the spiritual work to seek miracles. Prayerfully ask God to help you exercise that kind of faith. I promise that you can experience for yourself that Jesus Christ giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Few things will accelerate your spiritual momentum more than realizing the Lord is helping you to move a mountain in your life. Close quote. During our Grand Canyon hike, we experienced firsthand that Jesus Christ giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. What else could that be but a miracle? But it was not just one miracle, but many that the Lord rained down upon us this past weekend. Today, as I share our miracles, I pray the Lord may open your eyes to see the miracles in your life. Because listening to another person's experiences may be inspiring, but having your own personal experience with the Lord is life-changing. With that introduction, I invite you to witness the miraculous events surrounding our Grand Canyon Rim to Rim adventure. Last year, when I did this hike with five other friends and family members, my husband Greg was our shuttle driver. He started training with me, but struggled with his feet. Even short hikes gave him massive blisters. I'm not talking about a couple little blisters. I'm talking about huge, massive blisters. He tried three or four different sets of hiking boots, and he finally found one that didn't give him as many blisters. But at that point, he felt like he did not have adequate time to prepare for the hike. So he opted to drop us off at the trailhead on the North Rim and then drove to the South Rim to pick us up after our 23 and a half mile hike. I had an extremely difficult time completing this hike last year, even though I, I had trained all year long. On the last steep four and a half mile ascent to the top of the South Rim, I struggled to catch my breath. With every 50 feet, it felt like a mile because my heart and lungs were screaming at me and my progress was frustratingly slow. That plays into one of the miracles that I will talk about in a minute that we experienced this year. But Greg was so inspired last year by watching my friends and I struggle our way out through this 23 and a half mile hike through the canyon that he committed to do it. But as it got closer to this year's hike, he was not sure he was ready for the full rim-to-rim -rim experience. So he decided he was going to be our driver again. But instead of just waiting for us at the top of the South Rim, he would drop us off at the North Rim, drive around to the, round to the South Rim, and then hike down four and a half miles to Indian Gardens, which is the last big rest stop before that 
uphill ascent out of the canyon, and then he was going to climb out with us. So a few months ago, he started coming on some training hikes with me. And in fact, he did the hardest training hikes with me, the ones that were steep and exhausting. And he made it through every one of those hikes. And on at least one of them, his endurance was better than mine, even though I had hiked much more than he had. A few weeks before our scheduled rim to rim hike, our son, Andrew, who was going to be my only hiking companion for most of the day until the last four and a half miles, told us that he was not sure he would be able to make the trip because he is busy in college and has a lot of work that he was trying to get done and he just wasn't sure if he was going to be able to make that work out. But I still really wanted to hike because I had been planning on this for all year. We had reserved our cabin on the North Rim back in February and it was now September and I still wanted to go through with this hike. But having done it before, I knew that the downhill section was hard on the knees and the joints, but I thought that I could alleviate some of that pressure by reinforcing or bracing my knees. And I knew that the flat part was long, but not really challenging. And the uphill was a beast. But if Greg was going to climb down the last four and a half miles and climb out with us, that was for sure the hardest part of the hike. And I really felt like if he could do that part, then he could do the entire thing. So I presented that option to him just a few weeks ago. And after considering it, he decided that he wanted to do it. Our son also then committed, but that did not change Greg's result. So we adjusted our plans accordingly. We decided that instead of him shuttling us from rim to rim, we decided that we would park our car at the south rim, take a shuttle to the north rim, and then hike back through the canyon to our car on the south rim. With that backstory, let me tell you about miracle number one that we experienced on our rim to rim journey. It takes about three and a half hours for us to drive from our house to the South Rim. We were going to catch our shuttle on Thursday at 1 p.m. So we decided that if we left our house around 8 a.m., that would give us plenty of time. In fact, that would give us enough time to get there and to get some lunch and to relax for a bit before catching the shuttle at 1 o'clock. We didn't actually get out of our house until about 8.20, but that would still have given us like an hour of extra time. But as we drove, our Apple Maps navigator kept adjusting our estimated arrival time. According to that estimate, we would not be arriving at 1 p.m. We would be arriving at 1.15 p.m. And then we were going to be arriving at 1.20 p.m. And again, our shuttle was supposed to leave at 1 p.m. And this was not looking good. We finally reached the section of traffic that was red on the Apple Maps and it was about 10 miles from our destination and a complete parking lot. There was nothing we could do at that point but sit in the traffic and watch our estimated arrival time get later and later. We were going to miss our shuttle which would throw off our entire plan Greg at that point suggested that we say a prayer. And to be true, I did not have that much faith that the Lord cared about us catching our shuttle. I did not see how praying would help us move faster or make it to our shuttle stop in time. I was definitely the weak link in the prayer circle that day. I was feeling more stressed and worried than faithful. But we prayed that we would make it in time to catch the shuttle and that we would be able to find a parking spot. Because when Greg met us at the South Rim last year, he had to drive around for about an hour to find parking that was even semi-close to the trailhead. 
We then called the shuttle company and told them what our situation was, and they said that they would wait for us, but they told us to get the first parking place that we saw coming in because it was already pretty full. So we drove off to the shuttle stop almost 30 minutes late, and Greg was going to drop us off, me and Andrew, off at the shuttle stop, and then he was gonna go try to find parking. But as we pulled up to the shuttle, there was miraculously an open parking spot approximately 10 feet away from the shuttle. That was two miracles wrapped into one. We didn't miss the shuttle. They waited for us for about a half hour and we found a parking spot right by the shuttle. I was immediately repentant because I had been so faithless as we prayed for those exact two things to happen. The Lord didn't answer my prayer because it was not filled with faith. He answered the prayer of my husband, of my son, of my mother-in-law, and my father-in-law who knew of our situation and were praying with faith because my faith was weak at that point. But God's hand was already in the details of this trip. And that was an invitation for me to start paying attention to how he showed up for us. We arrived at our lodge without incident. Last year, the closest lodging we could find because we waited till too late in the season was about an hour and a half from the rim in Kanab, Utah. This year, our lodge was only about 20 minutes away, which meant that we could leave at about 4.45 a.m. to start hiking rather than 3.30 a.m. That also meant that we could hopefully sleep a little bit longer. One of the challenges that I ran into last year was that I only got about three and a half hours of sleep the night before because we had to leave so early and I couldn't seem to get to sleep. So I was hoping that the closer lodging would help with at least that problem. But instead, I laid awake all night long. Instead of sleeping, my mind was going a million miles an hour thinking of this hike and all the things that could potentially go wrong and all the things that could potentially be amazing. And as I'm thinking about this, I keep thinking about how I needed to stop thinking and start sleeping. And that didn't actually help me get to sleep any faster. In fact, sleep just felt further and further outside of my reach. So I prayed all night long. I prayed that I would be able to get some sleep, which remained elusive. I prayed that we would be safe on our hike. I prayed that we would all be able to make it through this grueling trek the next day. And while I prayed, I had the distinct impression that I was on the banks of the Red Sea with the sea on one side and the Egyptian army closing in on the other side. And the only way to safety was through a miracle orchestrated by the hand of God. It was as if the Lord was saying, I will deliver you out of this canyon, and you will know that it was I who delivered you. Perhaps that should have felt foreboding, but it actually felt empowering, and I was at peace enough to get a whopping three hours of sleep, according to my aura ring. And truthfully, I believe it was probably actually less than that. So I prayed again that I would have enough energy to get through this grueling hike, because on a normal day, three hours of sleep would not be enough to get me through breakfast. But with the excitement and the adrenaline, we caught a shuttle to the trailhead and we started hiking about 5.30 a.m. Coming down the North Rim was beautiful and uneventful, just the way I like it. The seven-mile trek across the canyon floor to Phantom Ranch was taking longer than I would have liked, however. I had in my mind a timeline 
of about where we needed to be at about what time of day to get us out of the canyon at what I thought would be a reasonable hour. And it required us going a bit faster on the flat part of the trail. But Greg's feet were already giving him trouble, and every step was painful and getting more painful. And at this point, we were not even halfway to our destination. And I began to worry about how Greg would be able to complete the grueling uphill ascent if his feet were already in pain. But we pressed forward, though slower than I would have liked. And at this point, our son Andrew had left us in his dust. His long legs were carrying him much quicker than we could walk. So he went on ahead and we all had two-way radios and so that we could communicate if we got separated, which ended up being a huge blessing. But to be honest, I was kind of getting a bit impatient with our slow progress. I would walk ahead for a bit and then I would stop and I would wait for Greg to catch up and then I'd walk ahead and then I'd stop to wait. And he just kept saying, just go ahead. I don't want to slow you down. I will meet you at Phantom Ranch. But I was not about to leave him behind because truthfully, I was a bit worried about him. So we stayed together until we arrived at Phantom Ranch about noon. So this was about an hour behind the schedule that I had in my mind, but we weren't too far off yet. So I just, I made peace with that. Then we rested at Phantom Ranch for a while and Greg took off his shoes and he retaped his feet and he rested. We rested for a little over an hour. And he said he had a good talk with the Lord during that hour, begging for help with his sore feet that were burning with every step, knowing that we still had the entire uphill ascent ahead of us. When we left Phantom Ranch, his feet were nearly pain-free. This was indeed a miracle of epic proportions because, again, we were about to embark on the long, steep uphill ascent. With his feet now doing well, we started climbing what hikers affectionately call Devil's Corkscrew. It is an intense climb that we hit about 2 p.m. or so. It was approximately 90 degrees at this point, and that section of the trail was almost entirely in the sun. After completing the Devil's Corkscrew, we soon arrived at Indian Gardens, which is the last big rest stop before the last four and a half mile ascent to the top, which is of course the most intense portion of the trail. Greg was not doing very well at this point. The sun and the steep climb through Devil's Corkscrew had taken a toll and his feet were okay, but he was feeling super nauseous. He was not dehydrated. He had been drinking like crazy and popping electrolyte pills like they were going out of style, but the sun, the heat, and the exertion had thrown him for a major loop. So he laid down on the bench and essentially told me, I'm done. I don't think I can make the climb out of this canyon. He didn't feel like he could do it. And there was another lady who was at Indian Gardens at the same time as we were, who was laying in the dirt and she was not doing well. And the ranger ended up calling for a helicopter to fly her to the hospital in Flagstaff. And Greg was seriously going to ask how much he had to pay to get a seat on that chopper. But those are for medical emergencies of which nausea is not. And I knew what the last few miles would look like. And I was not even sure how I was going to do because last year, those miles about killed me. But I was praying like crazy that Greg would be able to make the trek to the top. I was not worried about myself anymore. And then I remembered that I had packed some medicine for GI upset 
just in case. This is not something I normally would have carried on a hike like this, but it is exactly what he needed. Another miracle. He took the medicine, we prayed together, and we started hiking. Andrew had left Indian Gardens about 30 minutes prior to us and was well on his way to the top of the rim at this point. Otherwise, Greg would have asked him for a blessing, but with faith, we pressed forward. Within five minutes, his nausea was gone. It was almost immediate after we said that prayer and started walking. His stomach went from miserable to fine almost as soon as we said amen. And as a bonus, his feet were still doing well. So many miracles, my friends, so many miracles. At this point, we were of course both tired because we had been hiking all day, but the tiredness was manageable. I remembered how hard this section of the trail felt last year. For hours, I could not catch my breath, so I was a bit apprehensive going into it, but as we pressed onward and upward, I never once felt like I was out of breath. Greg was struggling to catch his breath like I had last year, but I felt strong. I could breathe, I could talk, my heart was not racing out of my chest. It was such a dramatic difference from what I had experienced last year that I wondered for a minute if we were even on the same trail. Yes, we were going slow, but I also went slow last year. So what made the difference? One thing you need to know about me is that I have never had very much cardio endurance. Even as an extremely active child, the fastest I ever ran a mile was 11 and a half minutes because I could never run the whole thing without stopping to walk. As an adult, I am always more winded than the people with whom I exercise. A few years ago, I worked out with a fitness trainer two to three times a week. And as part of that, we always wore a heart rate monitor that broadcasted our heart rate up onto a big TV screen in the gym. So the trainer knew how hard to push us. Even when I worked out two to three times a week with the trainer at the gym and hiked three to five miles for another two days a week, my heart rate was always in the red zone after jogging for two minutes. Two minutes, my friends. This is why I hate cardio. It never gets easier for me, no matter how much I do it. Several years ago, after a doctor listened to my heart, he asked, do you get really winded when you exercise? And I was like, yes, but isn't that everyone's experience? And he just said, there's a, there's a little abnormality with your heartbeat, but I don't think it's dangerous. It just might make you feel a little winded when you're exercising. And I've often thought about it in the days since then, especially on that climb out of the rim last year when I could not catch my breath. Also, a couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with iron deficiency anemia. That can also cause a feeling of breathlessness during exercise because anemia results in a deficiency of red blood cells, which makes it harder for the body to get oxygen to the muscles during exercise. So I took iron supplements for a while, but then I got lazy and stopped taking them. Iron interferes with my thyroid medication, so I can only take it at one particular time of the day. And I kept forgetting to take it, and then I just stopped taking it altogether. And a few weeks ago, I had this distinct impression that I should start taking iron supplements again. So I did. And I was, as I was climbing out of the canyon, amazed at how I did not even feel winded during the steepest part of the trail, 
I knew it was a miracle on so many levels. I have no doubt that the Lord had reminded me about my iron supplements, which I'm convinced made a huge difference for me. And he also gave me strength enough to hike without weariness, even after 20 plus miles on three hours of sleep. I was able to be a strength and a support for Greg, who struggled his way to the top, just like I did last year. I knew exactly how he was feeling because I have felt it, and I knew what to say to encourage him because I had hiked this way before. But this time, I could breathe. I had enough energy and some to spare, and that was a miracle of epic proportions. By putting one foot in front of the other, we made it out of the canyon, however slowly. It took us 15 hours and 20 minutes from start to finish. Andrew beat us out by two and a half hours and had organized a cheering section that welcomed us to the top. We accomplished what felt like the impossible because of the miracles we had experienced along the way. God did part our Red Sea, and we recognized his hand every step of the way. There are definitely things we could have done to better prepare for this hike. I am not suggesting that anyone attempt something of this physical magnitude without adequate preparation and expect the Lord to save them. And I know that God does not always rescue us from our trials or give us the miracles we seek. But for whatever reason, he showed up for us on this hike by performing miracles, both small and great. And in acknowledging that, I wonder, do I see the miracles he performs for me on a daily basis? Do I see his footprints on the trails of my life? Do I listen to the small whisperings to bring nausea medication or take iron supplements or text a friend or smile at a stranger or a million other tiny promptings and recognize from whom they come? In his October 2022 General Conference address entitled Overcome the World and Find Rest, President Russell M. Nelson said, quote, In coming days, we will see the greatest manifestations of the Savior's power that the world has ever seen. Between now and the time he returns with power and great glory, he will bestow countless privileges, blessings, and miracles upon the faithful. When I look at the miracles the Savior has already performed, not the least of which is parting the Red Sea, I wonder what miracles he will perform for the faithful in the days ahead. But then, I saw him part my personal Red Sea in ways I did not expect. I felt of his power and his grace. I saw him answer our prayers almost instantly, making it possible for us to continue on our uphill journey. He may not always show up for me in quite so dramatic of a way, but because I have seen the personal miracles of which he is capable, I can trust him with whatever comes. He lives he loves us. He can and does perform miracles when we trust him, when we have faith in him, when we believe. I am grateful to have witnessed that firsthand on a dusty canyon trail this weekend. All right, my friends, your shine challenge for this week is to watch for the Lord to show up for you in miraculous ways, both big and small. Look for him in the small and simple moments of your lives. And each day, record how you see his hand show up for you. When we look for evidence of his hand in our lives, we will find it. So let's look for him, my friends, and together, let's stand. Thanks for being here. I will see you back here again next week. 
Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard. That's two N's, two P's and an A-R-D or at LynetteShepard.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again. And remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.